Mommy, wow! It's Rap Critic and Muse! It's the Going Off Podcast, back again here with ya. Now, Darren seems to be a little out of the loop when it comes <laughs> Mommy, to... Mommy, wow? When it comes to the late 90s. Mommy, wow, it's Niz and Fondue. Oh, oh, okay. I, I That is not what... Mommy Wow leads me to. That leads me to that that commercial you used to hear all the freaking time. That diaper commercial. Mommy Wow. But it did it did it did it. I'm a big kid now. Why can't I remember any of the other lyrics to that? Yeah, I, yeah. I was like, I, I can swear there's like like at least three more like build up lyrics to that. But I don't know what the fuck else he says. Wait. Oh, it's really just that. Is that it? I think it's what it was like, like, wait. I remember hating the way that little kid says now. Now? He's like, I'm a big kid now. (laughs) He's got such attitude on that. (laughs) Now! (laughs) Like, you can hear, like, that this is not the first take. Like, Oh, God, no. (laughs) Or... This is a fucking professional kid. He knows what the hell he's doing. Okay, so there's a Boondocks episode, like, with Sergeant Gunna and Thugnificent, and it was like, mm. like, the joke was, that rapper, Thugnificent, came out only four years ago, and there's a new rapper named Sergeant Gunna, and, and, and the fact is, like, oh, Thugnificent's not as hot anymore, and mm. so he tries, he tries to diss someone new, you know, because he's like, oh, uh, fuck, you know, this newer rapper, blah, blah, blah. And the joke is that, like, wow, this guy who isn't even that old of a rapper is already saying, like, fuck these new rappers, you know. And I'm like, what the fuck of flame? Like, I'm pretty sure his first album was, like, 2010 or something. Like, so all of a sudden he's coming out and he's like, man, Lil Xan's not invited in hip-hop because he dissed Tupac. Oh, man, uh, how dare a new artist be transgressive against an old one? Like, what, what, what the fuck of flame? Like, what are you talking, like, were you not just defending these guys, like, last month? Like, what's happening right now? Okay, so on Waka Flock of Flame's angle, he's like, he doesn't like Lil Zan because Lil Zan disrespected Tupac, because in some sort of interview, he was like, oh, what would you give? Lil Z- uh, uh, Tupac and Lil Zan was like, oh, a two out of nine or something like that. And he was like, oh, his music's boring. He's just boring. And I'm like, okay, I expect like Lord Jamar, you know, in the DJ Vlad interview, you know, DJ Vlad's like, so, you know, uh, Lord Jamar, <laughs> you, you saw the video with Lil Zan, you know, I want to know what's your opinion on the whole thing. And you know, Lord Jamar's like, no, see, fuck that little 13 year old, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I fucking hate these little niggas, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I, like, I expect that video. What the fuck is going on with Waka Flocka Flame talking about these guys now? Like, and, and then, and then P. Diddy, he makes a video, and he's talking like, oh man, there's just too many of these rappers, it's like oversaturation around. Like, what are you talking about? Do you not remember P. Diddy in the late 90s, early 2000s, where we couldn't escape P. Diddy and his, his myriad of artists all around him. You had a fucking reality show, for God's sakes. If that doesn't scream oversaturation, I don't know what does. You literally had a reality show about making a rap group. Like, if that's not the most unorganic, fake, planned shit, like, unhip-hop shit ever, like, I don't know what is. You know what I mean? And so, like, like, and now my thing is, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not, I'm not making a value judgment by bringing this up in and of itself. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, you know, I mean, the person would be in my own whatever way, but the thing is, the reality is, P. Diddy is a person who got famous off of, you know, oversaturation of the market, commercialization, the shiny suit era P. Diddy. Like, this isn't KRS-One, this is fucking P. Diddy. So it's especially confusing, I'm like, who are you of all people to be like, 
oh man, it was rappers, and wow, over commercialization, over saturation. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I remember growing up, like, even if you weren't a fan of P. Diddy, you could not escape P. Diddy in 1997 and 1998. Like, I was barely cognizant of reality yet, and I knew <laughs> who fucking P. Diddy was. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I just don't understand, like, what, where do the, where do these particular rappers get off? You know, talking about, oh man, let me tell you about the ills of mainstream hip-hop. Like, what's going on right now, you know? I don't think there's anything more hip-hop than what... Uh, it was it was D-Respect's uh, video on P. Diddy, right? He was talking about how yeah. people have a stigma or SoundCloud has a reputation. Uh, you know, SoundCloud rappers or whatever. You, you don't really hear that too much about Bandcamp. Uh, but even though Bandcamp is like, it's fucking out there. It like, has it's weird shit, yeah. It's producing tons of folks, you know, I guess just because SoundCloud is... I guess it's the easier target that maybe more people have heard of, but just putting your own shit out there saying fuck the label is so fucking punk rock, so hip hop, and making a goddamn reality show like you said, yeah, that's the most fucking manufactured <laughs> assembly yeah, yeah, line yeah. bullshit. And it's like you have no room to talk and, on that. And now. the name of the rap group was literally The Band. Like The Band. Yeah. Nothing is sounds to me more like commercialized, more signifying of trying to be mainstream. Diddy isn't struggling financially, is he? Like he's doing okay for himself. So why is it that this motherfucker seems to be throwing his goddamn name out there at the most random of times, trying to get people talking about him? And what I'm talking about is when the uh, owner, I think it was, of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, something came out about him either being uh, a racist or some sexual assault thing. It's so hard to keep track anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember, something I remember. happened, and he was uh, forced out of the company. And Diddy just randomly was like, I'm going to buy the Panthers. And people were like, whoa, Diddy's going to buy the Panthers? Mm. Yeah, and it's going to be me and Colin Kaepernick. And we're gonna oh, we're gonna be co-owners of the Carolina Panthers. It's like, wow, holy shit! Yeah, like, oh, that's kind of th cool. Three months go by, you never hear about the goddamn thing again. And even before that, remember, I'm changing my name to Brother Love. Yeah, yeah. Not really though. I was just saying something so people would fucking <laughs> listen to me. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing, Diddy? I don't know what's happening. I think he's like, I think he's like, he really is that level of rich where like you can just be a kid again i i, I said <laughs> re remember in that outcast interview there there was a part where he said like the part like the point at which you get famous is the point at which you like the age that you stay forever like oh, so yeah so like you know outcast like uh you know andre 3000 they got famous when they were like 16 17 you know and so it's like I never had a reason to grow out of 17 because, you know, like, literally, maturing is literally about dealing with the oppositions that keep coming at you as life gets harder and harder. But, like, when you're rich, life doesn't get harder. So, <laughs> like, you know, so it's just like, I, I'm just gonna be 17 now, you know? And it's so like, that's why it's so hard for, like, child stars. They get famous at, like, six and shit. They have no reason to be... To, to, to be older than six. And then when reality starts hitting them, now they got to do the, the, the 20 years of aging that they have to do, you know, in order to reach that, that maturity spot. You know what I mean? As soon as you started talking about that, I just started thinking about MJ immediately. Oh, right, Because right. he was like, what, like around six? Yeah, when he like was in the Jackson seven, five? yeah, yeah. And it's like, are, how is anyone surprised that this motherfucker has a theme park? No, right, right. Like, yeah, what do you expect a, from the guy? I mean, he's he's an extreme example, definitely. But like, the guy who was famous since he was six literally has a theme park. Like, has his house look like what a six-year-old would want a house to look like? Have you ever seen the background, uh, the making of a thriller video? Wait, I don't know if it was the making of thriller or it was the making of uh black or white, because it was John Landis, and he did both of them. Yeah, Macaulay Culkin is on set, and they're, like, throwing, like, a wrap-up party for, for John Landis, because, like, it's the last day of production. 
and Michael Jackson just like comes up behind him with like a pie or something uh-huh. and like pies him in the face and it is the most like childish thing you've like ever seen from a grown man and <laughs> everyone in that room is just acting like I mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, we're like- not surprised by this in the least no, it's like, I mean, we knew he would do something like that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, It's it's weird when you look at Macaulay Culkin and he's acting, like, more mature. <laughs> he's actually having to be the one to, like, set Landis up for the pie. He's not even the one doing the pieing. That's MJ's job. Oh, so, like, uh, Macaulay Culkin has to pretend to be talking to uh, Landis about something, you know? Yeah! <laughs> he has to be like... So I was thinking about uh, maybe for this next scene, we and he's like looking over, you know, Landis' shoulder, seeing MJ coming up, just like, <laughs> God damn it. That's exactly it. <laughs> but I remember what's so bad about it is Landis knows like right away. So, <laughs> so he has to play along with this fucking <laughs> man child. <laughs> I gotta see this video. Falcon's like, hey, John, turn around. And he's like, no. <laughs> I gotta see this video. He knows exactly what's oh about to go down. <laughs> he's like, I don't have time for this. I've got an actual movie to work on. God damn it. Thank you, and we love you, and we think and you John? And a John? wonderful job. Yeah. John? Because what, every, John? Every, yes? Every <laughs> I love it. Like, you know, like today, like, you know, we look at this video and we're like, oh, man, these are classics made by, you know, um, you know, like brilliant master masterminds and artists and people that we like put on a pedestal. And then you go back in the days and it's just like, it's just like, you know, all of that magic that we associate with this, with this beauty and this art. And then you cut back and you, and then you just see a frustrated John Landis just <laughs> trying to deal with Michael Jackson's childishness. It's like the fucking uh, man on the moon. Yeah, yeah. Michael Jackson was too grotesque to film. Oh my god. What Ah, the fuck? What happened? ah, ah, Oh, Jesus. What are they talking about? John Landis says Michael Jackson was too grotesque to film. Thriller director John Landis. Wait. Oh, shit. This is the man who directed the thriller video. The man who directed the thriller video with the fucking zombies. Said Michael Jackson was too grotesque to film. Thrill director John Landis rejected Michael Jackson's plea to make another film together because he was appalled by the pop star's Phantom of the Opera face. Oh shit! Holy shit! John Landis not afraid of sending out that shade. Holy fuck! Jesus! Look, I have never heard anyone go like that is some fucking black Twitter fucking snapback shit. What year did he say this? 2013! That's what's crazy! Alright, look. John <laughs> Landis, after making the fucking Twilight Zone movie in which, like, a man and a child died in the making of, this motherfucker has no room to be turning down gigs. Um, the desperate request from Jackson came less than two years before his June 2009 death. Oh my goodness. Uh, Landis told the star at a time when Jackson was hoping to revive his stagnant career. I went and met with him and he asked me if I would do another film with him and he was so disfigured by then it was so dope. It was so grotesque what he had done to himself. So he's saying two years before he had died. He wasn't saying like, like in 1990s, but listen to this. He says he had no nose. It was like the Phantom of the Opera. He wore a little nose piece. I was so horrified. You look at the cover of Off the Wall. Uh, his 1979 album, and you're like, this was a good-looking guy. Landis said he already knew that Jackson had gone completely crazy, quote, completely crazy, at some point after they'd uh, teamed up for the award-winning 1983 Thriller music video, because he'd worked with him again in 1991, directing Michael Jackson's uh, Black or White. I still liked him, but he lived on another planet. It wasn't until Landis met him again in 2007 that he realized just how much more damage Jackson had inflicted upon himself through excessive cosmetic surgery. It's believed that Jackson had a dozen or more nose jobs in the decade before his death from cardiac arrest. Just that self-loathing. He bleached his skin. He was a black guy when I met him. Uh, I found him such a tragic figure. I like him, but I was heartbroken, and truthfully, I couldn't figure out the way to shoot, figure out a way to shoot him for a new film. Like, Jesus Christ. Wow. Like, 
this just sounds sad, man. Like, look, like all the things that people joked about saying in the 90s, like, oh, he looks grotesque, he looks like a monster. Like, John Landis is saying, like, as someone who's, like, legitimately horrified. Like, he literally saying, like, he just turned into a monster. The public only saw him with, like, the half-draped face. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's true. Yeah, he had hidden himself so much. That's true. So, yeah, I could only imagine with, like, someone he actually, like, trusted. Like, he trusted John Landis because he'd worked with him twice before to actually, like, let his guard down. And the reaction is just horror. Landis discovered that even a Michael Jackson project could hit a roadblock. Walter Yetnikoff, then president of CBS Record, objected to the 500000 proposed budget of the Vanity video because regular music videos at the time cost between 20000 to fifty thousand to make, mm-hmm. uh, like in and like in two thousand, you know, seven. Walter Yetnikov literally said, "We've made all the money from the Thriller album. Fuck you!" Oh my god! Wow! Yo, the fucking president of your company that that like you've been making like you've been making like you're literally paying for their children's college fund. Like that's what money you like the sweat off of your back as an artist the thoughts from your brain like literally pieces of your intellectual property are making this are paying for this motherfucker's toilets you know what i'm saying like are paying for this motherfucker's golden toilets and what he has to like his gratitude after the decades worth of money that michael jackson has made off of him you know what he has to say to him when Michael Jackson's in his time of need and, and you know, wants to work on some new music, but maybe he's not in the most um, commercially viable point of his, a period of his life? Oh, you know what that the motherfucking president of that company says? We've made all the money off of the Thriller album. Fuck you. Wow. Remember this, people. Rule number 4080. Record company people are fucking shady. Dude. No fucking love for this guy. Do you hear this shit? Cess Crew and uh, their album Catastrophic Event Specialists was a uh, Patreon request from your page, correct? This album was requested by Nihal Shah. Um, I hope that's how you say your name. Sorry if I got it wrong. Cess uh, Crew's album Catastrophic Event Specialists. Bro, I... I tapped out. I, t- I I tapped out, but in the opposite way of the 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 little B album. Because as I was, you know, I had my first listen through, right? You know, listen through it the first time, you know, and then you have the second time where you like you gotta look through the lyrics, you gotta you know comb through and make sure it's just tight. Man, I don't even get through track five, and I'm just like I'm so overwhelmed by the waterfall of flows and punchlines. And just clever turns of phrase and shit. And I'm just like, I can't. Look, it's 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 perfect, okay? It's just fucking perfect. Just get it out of my face, all right? I can't do this anymore. I can't fucking do it. I'm listening to this fucking album, bro. Dude, first of all, you have combustible. Start. No, first of all, you have calamity, which is like you know, little orchestral, little intro piece. You know what I'm saying? Then we get to um combustible. This dope ass old school throwback track. Yo, bro. He says, back in the day, in the day of Danes, back when the RZA was a razor blade, the UBI really thought he could change the game. I know some of y'all probably made the same mistake. It turns out, really couldn't change a thing. That was fucked in the game. No shades of gray. I was like, oh, shit. I don't want to overhype you to it, because I want you to listen to it and go into it with the same expectations as me. You know what I'm saying? But, like, holy fucking shit. This man, yo, 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 and Rubble, Rubble, when he had that one fucking look where he says, I can't look past this traffic jam, test the rappers, they will never pass the class exam, blaze it like a little match and had a gas, a gas in hand, you make me mad on stage, I'll backhand a bitch like Afro man, I was like, holy <laughs> shit, holy shit, and then like, I remember when I heard that line, like it popped and I was like, oh, fucking shit, and like a minute goes by, like I'm still reeling from that line, and then at the end you hear the, you know, when people do the little scratches when they're playing like different yeah. samples, Stuff. And then it samples it again, like backhand the bitch, like Afro man. I was like, oh shit! <laughs> like they knew that that was the best line of the song, so they had to replay it, dude. Yo, 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 
Uh, he said, uh, what did he say? He said, um, swallow it up or I don't lack on right and commence. To eat a motherfucker like Attack on Titan is real. I see you headed for doom in a scoping. These lesser niggas searching for the moon in the ocean. I was like, oh, shit. What the fuck? These niggas are searching for the moon in the ocean. Holy shit. Like, that is some fucking, like, next level. You idiots aren't even looking in the right direction type of shit. Like, oh, my fucking God. And then Tidal Wavy, yo, like, okay, so we have all the fucking lives that happen in Rubble, right? I'm five, I'm four tracks in. I'm like, all right. You know, usually, like, I was like, all right, this shit is, like, fucking awesome so far. When I did the Zero Star album, I was like, all right, if it's five tracks in and it still sounds whack, like, it's not going to get better. I'm like, five tracks in. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what else I'm going to be able to fucking say about this album. I'm like, I'm just like, I, I tap out. No mas. You win, bro. When he re when he on title waving when he hit that line, he says, "I don't even want to rap. I do this out of habit. The blackest magic. I could pull a hat out of rabbit." I was like, ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> I was like, "Holy fucking shit!" Okay, okay, fucking classic. This is a classic fucking album. Five out of fucking five. You win. Jesus goddamn Christ. It didn't stick with me that much. Which it's like if I listen to it again and again, it might. But I only listened to it the twice. And, you know, like, I dug it, I enjoyed it while I was listening to it, but I don't know how often I'd come back to it personally. But it's a solid album. Um, Again, like, I didn't even mind that it was an hour, because it fucking blew by. And I hate to say this, because this seems like I was biased going in, but I wasn't, trust me. I was surprised that this came out of Strange Music. This doesn't sound, like, when I think... Tech Nine is putting on some dudes. This isn't what I'd expect. So why not? I mean, his style is very like super lyrical with the with the you know really bombastic choruses and the you know. Tech's songs tend to be, for me, or at least what I get from them, they're not too deep f- most of the time. I'm just gonna say this: I enjoyed this album more than I enjoyed any of the Tech Nine albums we listened to, like far and away. Now. We gotta go into we gotta go into Tech Nine because because I want to hear what you you about to say. We gotta switch gears. We gotta talk about old Tech Nine and uh, Planet uh, because the dude don't stop. He just he just keeps on coming out with uh, with new music every geez, it's like two a year almost. Like maybe every six months. Like because if it's not an album, it's like a collaboration or something. I'm just gonna say this right because I'm not gonna rate this album unfavorably. I will actually rank it pretty high because I did enjoy the songs on here, but it does feel like at a point maybe you should take the time to, I don't know, take a little bit of time off. Make an album when, I don't know, maybe when you got something to say because a lot of the songs on here just kind of sound like songs we've heard from him on other albums we've talked about. It just felt like the same songs, different lyrics. Some of the times, and it's like, I don't know, like, don't, I know he's not obligated, but sometimes I I get that from Tech 9 like, he feels like he's obligated to put out new music, and I don't know how much of it is actually a desire to. Yeah, Tech 9 looks at music like it is a job, like, you come in from 9 to 5, it doesn't matter if I didn't have anything to say, I have to write music, like, you know? When when, when we talk about being unique in hip-hop, and having your own voice that sounds different. Like, when we when I was listening to the Says Crew album, and Tech 9 just randomly showed up on a track, I was able to pick him out. Even though he wasn't speed rapping, I was able to go, yeah, that sounds like Tech 9, and, and it turned out to be Tech 9 on that track. On this album, it reminded me that, yeah, he's got a sound onto his own, and the speed rapping is kind of what I think most people would associate with Tech Nine right away. Um, on this album, there is a good bit of that. At times, I felt it was a little gimmicky. It's weird. Like the word gimmicky comes up a lot, and I think I'm pretty sure Tech Nine hates it. Like, <laughs> I mean, but it's like the thing is, you do come off as that sometimes. Like, how many saw like Habanero? I, okay, so I. I, I'm going to say this. I absolutely adored this album. I fucking loved it. I thought it was fucking incredible. However, the first two tracks, 
kind of felt like that sort of gimmicky formula. It feels like the chorus has to be some sort of, you know, big, ridiculous... Like, the sort... It's it, it's weird to quantify. Like, Habanero is like no K. There's just songs that he has where it's just like, it's obvious that he made this song in order to be like a catchphrase. Oh, am I am I cool with that? I'm gonna have to say no K. And so he makes a song, he's like, no K. It's the thing that you say when everything is not all right. Swim is the thing that you say when something's really going down. It's like, stop. Stop trying to turn <laughs> these into K. You know what I mean? Like, can't get too close because I'm real. Hot, 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 hot. My temperature makes you feel hot, 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 hot. And then, uh, uh, feel like y'all just mad at my dinero. All I gotta say, you think I'm hot. Lit, bitch, I'm habanero. You know, like, it's just like, it's, 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 it's like, this feels like it should be a punchline, not the chorus. You know what I mean? Habanero had a really weak chorus, but most of the songs on this album did. I liked Drink Up because I think it was really smart what they were doing there. Drink Up was sort of, so... You know, I I have an issue with a lot of, like, rap songs where they're, like, they talk about alcoholism and all this stuff, but they treat it so lightly. And I think that what Tech 9 did on that song, it was like, yeah, we're having fun, but if you listen to the tone of his voice, it's like, he's not really that happy about this, though. You know? Right. And, it, and so, um, it's actually leading to a bigger point that I wanted to bring up. Tech 9, this album sounds very... T- to me, it sounds like it was made at... It, like, this is a very this-point-in-Tech-Nine's career album. Because mm. some of the songs on here are like... Like, he was saying shit where he's just like, Look, I'm divorced. There's no kids in the house. They're grown-ups. I don't know anyone's shit. <laughs> like, I'm just gonna <laughs> yeah. fucking relax. Like, there's like two or three songs where he's just like, I'm just gonna do what the fuck I wanna do. Like, but he's very like, this is his sort of 444, you know, and says so it's like, I'm on the other side of my, of, of working hard. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm, I, yo, I, 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 I deserve these fucking vic- victory laps. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah. and again, like, you know, I hear in this music, it's like, well, I mean, you saying like, I deserve to take a break. Motherfucker, take a break. <laughs> like, goddamn. Yeah, just just fucking do it. <laughs> when you're putting two albums out a year on average, how are you going to come up with a song like, I'm going to do a damn thing today? <laughs> yeah, the fuck you are. You're doing shit all the damn time. It's like, yeah. No, what if he's like really like a workaholic and it's like his day off is literally like the day he took to write that song. Like, that's... Uh. <laughs> like, he just, he can't stop. <laughs> Like, 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 it's one of those ironic things where it's just, like, the only thing that calms me down is writing about how I need to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I dug the, the concept of drink up. It's just the chorus is, I never gonna give up drink, repeated, and whatever. It's not the worst, it's not the worst chorus. Yeah, what, here, I, but... what I like is that it's like, you see the, the words drink up, and it sounds like it's just gonna be like, oh, it's just gonna be about drinking. But he's saying, I'm never going to give my drink up. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, I kind of like that little clever little twist, you know? Um, yeah. But like I said, you know, I don't like fresh out where, where, like, I don't like that where it just goes, I am what? Fresh out of fucks. And it's like, that's like an intro. That's not the chorus that you keep coming back to because that immediately loses its luster. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a one note sort of thing. You know, you can't, yeah. that can't carry a song. I, I really liked Fresh Out, though, as a song. I liked it better than Habanero. Definitely. Like, hab- Habanero as an intro was a bad choice. And by the way, can I just point out that a Habanero only has a Scoville heat unit of 100,000, and that's only, like, halfway up the Scoville scale of hotness? Yeah. Like, see, I remember, that's not even close to the top? Yeah, I remember being like, wait, I thought, like, Ghost Peppers was, like, the, the big thing, you know? Or you know, or you know, another uh, uh, gimmicky sort of chorus is like sriracha. Remember that one where he's like, "I I call it sriracha. Why? Cause I put that on everything. You know, it's just sort of like, all right, like that works for like a second. That doesn't work for like the whole song. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like it's like a fan can enjoy it, but I feel like the average person, if I'm trying to show like you know, witness the the amazingness that is Tech Nine, when they hear that chorus, they're just gonna be like. Okay, you know, like it's like no, no, no. Listen to it. Listen to the verse. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude's chorus game is really lacking. 
which is a sh- which is a shame because there's a lot of these songs where it's like I'm digging it, I'm digging it, and then it's like fuck, I gotta sit through this but, oh, fucking chorus again. The kick it with myself. I don't uh, okay. can we just fucking we get like, back to it. That sounded like an insane cloud posse song, didn't it? Oh um, yeah, <laughs> like late stage yeah, insane cloud posse, you know. But um, so uh, okay, then we get fucking brightfall, dude. Jesus Christ. An incredible song. Okay, so here's the thing. Oh, you skipped a few. No, oh, oh no, I, I wanted to talk about this one because it had, first of all, one of the very few songs that has, like, an intro to it that actually, like, works into the song. Like, it's like, yeah. you can't hear this song without the intro. You know what I mean? So, right, yeah. dude. Okay, so people talk a lot about, you know, Tech 9 you know, they say he uses, like, you know, very gothic-sounding music and themes, you know, very classical, over-the-top-sounding music, and and because it's so over-the-top, people don't like it, because it's, it's sort of operatic, you know, and so the, the emotion sort of feels put on, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like, in this particular instance, it's especially earned. Like, it feels like the music works. It doesn't feel... It, it, like, it feels properly big, you know? Like, it feels properly, like, the way they use the chorus and the and the orchestral stuff, like, it comes together. And then, you know, you have the, the actual topic of the song where it's just like, dude, it's a good fucking song, okay? Like, it's just, it, it, it's possibly one of his fucking magnum opuses, honestly. I think it is an incredible goddamn song, and it's just like, holy shit, like, I remember... You know, his stuff like, like The Rain. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like people yep. like that song, but I feel like people hear, you know, the sample of the Cowboy Bebop song and they're like, oh, that's corny. You know what I mean? And I feel like they don't show it the proper love because it's like, well, because he's he's doing this sort of operatic thing, which is like to, you over overly show the emotion so that the people in the cheap seats get it. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like this is one of those songs where it's like, you can't even front on this. It doesn't even have that quality to it. It is like Tech Nine, one hundred percent real and honest, and no nothing. Like it's just pure raw emotion here, and I dig the shit out of that one. So Brightfall is a shining beacon on the album, and again, like I gotta make this point because it's worth noting: no speed rapping. Yeah, yeah, actually, uh-huh. it's it's a gr- it's a great tune. It's about the internal struggle of the good versus evil and all of that. And I really dug it. My only problem is, and I know you can probably already see what I'm going to say. It's too fucking long. Really? You could cut that shit in half and it would be just as effective. I I didn't need that, all that, uh, all that over the top shit after the verses. Like, I think if it was just the verses, just as lyrics, that would have been fine. But you've already got the intro setting it up, you've got the verses, now there's like another two or three minutes of just stuff going on. I didn't need all that. Like, I get it, dude. You know, I, I get you're, you're tortured, you know? Like, I get that. I, I'm not buying all that shit. Like, that just seemed, like, too theatrical for really? me. You weren't feeling it. Yeah, like, on an album where most of the songs are, like, three or so minutes, when this is, like, five, and it's like, you could have got this done, you could have said your shit in less time and not had all this other shit afterwards. I didn't need it personally. Um, I, it didn't offend me. You know, I didn't think it was, like, absolutely terrible. I just, just would have liked it. if it moved on. Yeah, I just wasn't feeling it. Um, the song itself, though, I uh, I really dug. Um, can we go back to Tech Nine's fucking homage to goddamn Arabian Prince? Oh and my god! Don't nobody want none. Yo! <laughs> it's fucking late 80s, early 90s B boy shit. Dude. Boom, 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 Yo, Tech Nine. like, what the fuck is this? I was listening to this, I was like, what the? Because he said, dedicated to all the DJs and dance crews around the world. And I was like, well, I mean, he always kind of does that on a couple of songs. Then you hear the Tech Nine. And you hear the Pico, and I was like, oh! <laughs> So this is throwback as fuck. But it, like, it works. It's not like... Like, remember on Snoop Dogg's album, some of those tracks, when they would do the throwback thing, like, it just felt like it was a track lost in from the 80s. You know? Like, yeah. this felt like he polished off a track 
and then elevated it and then gave us the song. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude. Um, I really liked the uh, charging, intimidating beat in uh, Bad Juju. Oh, yeah. It's like that song was fucking coming after your ass, like, for uh, real. Dude, please tell me there's a music video for Don't Nobody Want None. Is there a video? <laughs> yes, there is! Yes! Oh, shit! Okay, hold on. I, gotta I didn't it. see that. Yes! Tech Nine. I gotta see if your boy Tech Nine breaks it down. Oh, my God. It's so fly. Yeah. Dude, that's so cool. Yeah, th- that video uh, <laughs> met on expectations. Yeah, you know, you know what he's doing now. He's got the he's got the VR uh, headset thing going now. You know, te- <laughs> oh yeah. You see, Tech Nine try to be the future over. I see you, bro. I see you. I thought that was a little silly on the album cover. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel a little gimmicky. Yeah. Oh no, shit! Does. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. Say- it's like a curse word now. Like, <laughs> um. But you gotta admit, like. 2018, VR headsets, let me get the huge glass, you know, it's like, you know what you're doing, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't think Tech, Tech 9 needs to, to do that. <laughs> like, I think, I think the reason why he does it is kind of like that sort of like, because I'm underground, I have to invent my own phenomenons, you know? Mm. And so like, the reason why he comes up with these things is because it's like, I know that the mainstream's not gonna let me get on because of my talent. So I, there has to be some sort of gimmick, you know? But I, I'm going to ask yeah. you, you seem to have a, you seem to be really averse to the speed rapping. I'm going to ask you, do you think it's, like, speed rapping in and of itself is considered to people, to the average listener, to be gimmicky, like, on principle? Because, like, the idea is that it is cryptic. I'm speaking so fast, you have to keep up. And when the average person is like, you know, because, like, the average, like, the most popular rappers are rappers who don't rap fast. Why? Because people don't want to try to keep up with you. They want music that rewards you. They don't want music that, you know, directly challenges you. You know what I'm saying? And and I feel like, like, maybe to the average person, the reason why it's hard to get into them is because it's like, when you're rapping that fast, it doesn't sound like you're talking to me. It sounds like you're talking to yourself and... I'm catching you every, you know, I have to, it's my job to catch up with you. Like, like, you're going in a, you're going in a hurricane, you know, you're going in a twister, and I'm, like, trying to see what the image is by, like, running (laughs) around to try to go as fast as you. You know what I mean? No, see, like, I don't mind, uh, speed rapping per se. No, Um, see, you don't mind it, but I don't think you're, like, I think you're, like, it does nothing for you. If you're speed rapping... And you're saying, if you're laying down some really good, like, punchlines and shit that you would be doing in your otherwise not speed rapping shit, mm. I think that'd be really impressive. Like, oh my god, he's he's fucking spitting some fire and he's going this fast, how is he able to keep up? Right. But what I notice most of the time is when people tend to speed rap, that's when it's like the whatever, like... People are going to be impressed that I'm rapping so fast. They're not going to really care what the rhyme itself is, but you can tell when they want the lines that they know are going to be like the most impressive. They're not going to leave those in the speed rap parts. They're going to do them in the part where you can understand what they're saying because they want you to hear it. Right, it's right. It's like, if this is a thing he's known for, all power to you, go right ahead. But it's like, yeah, I'm not... Like, I do try to... Uh, keep along and follow along and understand what he's saying but most of the time I'm not picking up on like oh shit oh I didn't have I didn't even have time to be impressed by that because now he's on to doing this like they're always like the more subpar lines in the speed rap it's like if you're doing both then great but it seems like so, it's one or the so other so you're saying that, like it like, just like autotune ends up being used as a crutch for people, speed rapping, though it's impressive, it can also be seen as a crutch in a way. Because it's like... I would agree, yeah. Because it's like, okay, yeah, it's nice that you're going really fast, but what are you saying? Oh, I'm killing them, drilling them, filling them, filling them, filling them, filling them, filling them. It's like, okay, you you just said a bunch of verbs. I'm killing them, drilling them, filling them, filling them, filling them. You know what I mean? It's like, that didn't yeah. mean anything. It sounded impressive, but it didn't mean anything. You know, and like, uh, maybe in the same vein, like when someone's speed rapping, like that doesn't work with topics. Like if you're actually like talking about something, it's like, you know, because I'm trying to impress you 
by the fact that you can't, that you have to keep up with my ear. I mean, by the fact that you have to keep up with what I'm saying with your ear. And let me tell you a really serious story. They kind of don't go hand in hand because it's like, well, I'm, I'm so busy trying to marvel at your technique that like the story is getting in the way, you know? And so it's like, I don't like, yes, there are people who can enjoy it on both levels, but it's just like, there, there needs to be that balance where I can enjoy it. You know, like, like there's a reason why the best speed rapping songs aren't songs about, you know, Brenda's got a baby. You know what I mean? Like, Tupac doesn't speed rap on Brenda's got a baby. No, he speed raps when he's doing a song that's just about fucking people up with uh, Bone Bugs and Harmony. You know what I mean? Because you're supposed to be paying more attention to the skill. I liked it as an intro on the track because that's what I think of when it's like, okay, I'm listening to a Tech 9 album. So when it hits you back to back with the first two songs on the album, both have that shit. And then it just kind of like, all right, we're taking a break from that. It's like, oh, okay. But like what I said before, the songs I tend to like more from him when they have something to say, they tend to be the more slower ones like uh, Brightfall. Um, I even liked uh, Not a Damn Thing to an extent. I totally um, like that. Bro, I can feel... There were two... I think it was one or two songs on here that were like, I don't care. I'm just doing what I want to do. And I'm just like, I'm there with you, bro. I feel it. <laughs> can, can I just talk about two songs I didn't care for hardly at all? Okay. Comfortable. Uh, Comfortable. Comfortable. No, I like that one. That wasn't the one I didn't like, no. It's got an annoying sample chorus where it's just like oh, his voice. Oh, no, going no, like, I feel you though. No, it is weird. It does not yeah, feel like it gels. Yeah. yeah. I hated that. It's like there's little cracks in it that it's just like, this doesn't, I feel like it doesn't work in the way that the, the producer wanted it to work. You know, he wanted it to sound like a very, you know, lived in sort of musical, you know, old phonographic record. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, except this person doesn't sound comfortable. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Like, if you were comfortable, wouldn't you be, like, laid back and chill? But this yeah, is, like, it feels like they're, a real timid They're, like, voice. yeah, right off of the note for some reason. Um, But the the song is about, which I gotta I gotta admit, I've never really heard a song like this before where the, where the subject matter is, I, I'm only comfortable around certain people. <laughs> Here are the people I'm comfortable Yeah, around. like, it's just like, I'm just gonna tell you who they are. It's like, I'm just gonna name drop people in the industry. Um, it, it was whatever, because unfortunately, most of the song is just kind of name dropping people, so yeah, it, and, it was just kind of like, And it's it. like, personally, that's good for him, but it's like, there's nothing that the average person can do with that. Like, yeah. Oh, and you only like Bubba the Love Sponge? It's like, I was just gonna say, how are you gonna be like, man, I only fuck with Sway and Bubba the Love Sponge? <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? Bubba the Love Sponge gives you a good interview when you show up on the show. The guy who fucking leaked Hulk Hogan's sex tape yep. is the fucking, that's, he has his finger on the pulse. That's what I was gonna say. I was like, wait, I thought people didn't like him. Nobody likes him. That's why I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, not even like, not even a hip hop show. Just some random morning zoo crew shock jock. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Love for Bubba the Love Sponge. That er, that early on in the song gave me like a really like, what the fuck is it going on about? Uh, yeah. like, I wasn't sure if like, he's being for real. Or not. Like, it's not something you can throw in at the end of a verse like that because it's like, you know, like if if, if you throw in the phrase. Bubba the Love Sponge. <laughs> At the tail end of a verse, like, you know, your ears are going to prick up. You're going to be like, wait, what? Like, you can't not pay attention to that. Why the fuck did you just say Bubba the Love Sponge to me? Like, what the fuck does that mean, you know? So if you spin in me now, you take me to... Then it has question mark. And if you think because I'm bitching, Tech 9 buzz done, because I ain't trying to do early interviews unless it's Sway, Johnny Dare... Or Bubba the Love Sponge, comfortable. I don't even know who Johnny Dare is. I just had to click. Just some guy from Kansas City. I guess some local guy he knows. Um, the other track I didn't care for was No Reason. Okay, okay. I understand. From what I remember, it's annoying as Y2 and another bad chorus and Machine Gun Kelly just not impressing me hardly at all. Like, this felt like this should have been on that collabos. 
Like, I don't know what the fuck that was doing on here. Well, I was saying about the, the mosh pit song. First of all, it didn't sound like a mosh pit song. That is not a song you could mosh pit to. And I'm not a mosh pit guy, but I'm listening to that song. I could not picture a fucking mosh pit getting down to that shit. Not at all. Like, Brockhampton talk about fucking mosh pits at their shows. I can totally see that. I could not see that happen into this song. This is not the mosh pit song. I, and it's not that they weren't dope. And like, I actually thought MGK had not that bad of a verse. He had this one part where he said, like, so hang tight. I'm trying to get this right. You think just because I wrote a pop hit, I won't pop shit? I was like, all right, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of like at least addressing. He fucking follows that up, though. So uh, the fuck's wrong with you, Pop-Tarts? I pop cherries and pop stars. You popsicles is not hard. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was terrible. Nah. I didn't like that line at all. We gotta get to my fault. Oh, my God. Okay, so can I just say, if my fault was earlier in the album, I would have had a hard time continuing on and listening to the rest of it. Wait, why? When he says nothing's my fault, right? Is he being sarcastic or no? Are you saying Tech 9 is wrong in what he was saying? Yes. Okay, I don't think that's true. Absolutely. No. No. No? Yes. How? Okay, so basically... The- okay, wait. All right. The, the audience needs background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're just scratching their heads. Okay. <laughs> they're like, so, what the fuck are these guys talking about when they just fucking Okay, it? so the, it starts and the, they were doing a show, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. For, first of all, he decides to start with this great line. Uh, f- uh, from the fans, we're making the ladies dance, and the ladies uh, are elated, not sedated like Bill Cosby's. Bad way to start he things He says, off. not sedated. Yeah, well, you didn't right, have to make reference like, to it at all, though. I know, but... You, did, you didn't have to reference it. It, it, does, it. it is odd in this context, but it's like it's not like he's saying, oh, yeah, we got them sedated like Bill Cosby. He's saying they're not. That's the point. Uh, yeah, no, but, no, 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 no. The but, reason... No, 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 no I, want, I want it to be clear. The, I think the reason why he's bringing that up is to say, like, it's not like we were drugging any of the people in, you know, that were involved with this. I think that's the point that he did. It was like... Let's be clear, yeah. it's not like, oh, I'm trying to, like, you know, do something bad. That doesn't make it at all more okay. Okay, all right, let's uh, get to I'm, the point. I'm just going yeah, to read the lyrics out, and then we can discuss it, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just waiting for the ooh, areola near the end of the show, then we do yeah, areola. Yeah, by the way, this is, about, we, this is about the song areola. He's talking about, like, right. they perform the song areola, and usually at the concerts, you know, women flash the stage. They just waiting for the ooh areola near the end of the show, then we do areola. We don't see anything but a few areola out of so many women, so that was boo areola. Only saw four from the stage. When they got up on shoulders, you can never tell they underage. Next day, the parents was creeping on the daughter's page, saw the video on the daughter flashing, uh, now she's in a rage. Uh, she made her daughter tell authorities... We made her do it. Yeah, right. More like the guy that raised her to it. Uh, my partner, O apostrophe, called me hostily, saying the cameras got them yelling child pornography. We've been doing areola for eight years. Now we got to stay clear because some fake tears tried to shut Tech down. Some girl that was underage and went to a Tech 9 show, which, first of all, the first fucking problem is... Okay, what's this underage girl doing at a Tech Nine concert? Second fucking question: What's this girl doing at a Tech Nine concert? And her mom doesn't know. That's the fucking first two questions that should be fucking asked. And I fucking hate that shit. Now we can move. Oh, okay, so they don't fucking card people at the door. That's the thing that's making me angry. That's and, their fault. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not saying. I'm saying that is like whatever venue allowed this to happen. That is, like, this is someone's fault. I'm not saying, oh, oh, let's just let this by. But, like, I okay. kind of hate that stuff like this gets thrown at the feet of the most famous person. You know, like, oh, if a girl didn't get caught in the letter. It's not like fucking Tech 9 was at the door saying, ha let the 17-year-old in. No, he was backstage getting ready for the show. He didn't fucking know that a 17-year-old was at the show. And that, on top of that, a 17-year-old wanted to flash her tits at Tech 9. It's not like he was like, oh, all the 17-year-olds coming to the front of the stage. It's time to flash your tits. No, now, now, 
I do think it actually is really dumb to have a sort of stage show where you're like, hey, random girls that I don't know your age of, flash me your tits. Yes, that is kind of a stupid thing when you think about it in retrospect. Okay. Because things like this can happen where it's literally an underage girl doing it because, like I said, you don't know who the fuck they are. It's not like, oh, hey, before these girls flash us, can we card them? No, nobody does that. Because he probably assumed, like, hey, if they're in the show, they're probably old enough, you know? Like, that seems to make sense. My take on that, and this could just be, you know, speculating because I wasn't there, but I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that if you're at a rap show, and there's women there, but there's also dudes, right? And there's a gimmick that there's a part of the show where they play a song and it gets women to flash... Wouldn't you assume and agree that there is probably a level of uh, pressuring going on from the men in the audience to do it? I'm not saying that, like, if, if a woman goes to a Tech Nine show, she should expect to be everyone to see her breasts, right? Like, I, I feel like, I don't think that's the the way that they were going at that with. I feel like that's sort of assuming negativity automatically, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like he was hanging out with friends at a party and they pressured someone into doing it. Like, wow, there's absolutely no context for this. Why would they do this? It was just like, I don't know. Like, because, like, I can see on one hand what you're saying. Like, because there is that sort of coercion, right? Of, hey, you're at the show. Come on, do it. Huh? But it's just like, but, you know, there are some people who would just want to do that. You know what I mean? And so I'm like... I, I get what you're saying, uh, like, erring on the side of caution, but I feel like to assume that is being too... taking away a person's autonomy and, like, the ability to make decisions on their own, you know? Okay, okay. Well, if that's the case, and, uh, like, I'll, I'll let that go. If, if, if this person did, on their own choosing, do it, how, how did this video happened to, to, to be made? Who, see, who took this that, video? See, uh, okay, this is what they're saying. They're saying... They saw a video of her daughter flashing, and now she's in a rage. So, again, like I said, it's not really... Like, maybe if there is, like, details that makes it more clear. Like, like if it was like, oh, Tech 9 took a video of this girl that was 17. Like, okay, that's like, alright, those motherfuckers in jail. But to me, it just sounds like they did a show. Cameras are out all the fucking time at a show. Someone took off their top, and someone was like... And then the mother was like... My daughter is only 17. How dare you, Tech Nine? This is all Tech Nine's fault. He's the one to blame. Instead of like, okay, well, who allowed your 17-year-old daughter to get into the show? Okay, well, who allowed your 17-year-old... You know what I mean? It's just like, I feel like to lay it all at the feet of Tech Nine feels... Not disingenuous, but it feels short-sighted. I, I'm not I'm not saying that you should blame 100% on Tech 9 but it seems incredibly douchey when at the end of the song, this motherfucker goes out of his way to go, nothing's my fault. Like, okay, dude, look. You need to at least realize and acknowledge that this is a terrible fucking idea that could have easily got you in trouble yeah. years ago. Yeah. And it's amazing it took this long to happen. Yeah. But... He says, we've been doing areola for eight years. Yeah, yeah. Who knows how many underage people right, flash right, their right. tits at shows? So, okay, so, like... In that time period. I think I, I think I would agree with... Yeah, yeah, so I'm agreeing with you on the point that I was like, I would never do a show where I was like, all right, here's the part of the show where women I don't know the age of take off their shirts. Like, <laughs> but I get the feeling that's something that, like, someone like that probably doesn't think about. My question going back to it is this... It says right here, my partner... O apostrophe called me hostily saying the cameras got him yelling child pornography. Do we know who took this video? Was it his crew or is it like a fan made video? Because how would it end up on her page if it well, wasn't see, like an official well, that, video? That's what I think. If it's on her like page, like Facebook page, it's probably like video that a friend took. You okay. know what I'm saying? Like, Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like you're rushing a little quick to be like, oh, well, he's going to have something directly to do with this. This is like, that's not necessarily a given, unless there's some detail that tells us that. Where it's just like. Well, he does do a terrible job of setting that scene because he doesn't give you all the details. Yeah. Now, now, what I will say he is. He paints that, this 100% one sided. Now, I will. Uh, uh, well, what is the other side of this? I don't want. I don't understand what you're trying to say. 
No, you just said we don't know who took the video, who, oh, what, you know. What if he we, doesn't we know, know that? That's the but question. But he's saying straight up, like, say, saying we made her do it. Yeah, right. More like the guy that raised her to it. Like, he doesn't know that either. Like, he's totally doing this. I'm not at all to blame. He's playing that one-sided. You know what? Actually, actually, you know what I want to say? I will give you this much. I feel like he wrote this song as someone who was concerned about his image and not someone who was concerned about a 17-year-old having, you know, their fucking lives ruined by, you know, being naked in a video. Right. I think, because I, 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 I feel like that's where your energy is coming from. It's like, it's the fact that he does seem unconcerned about the fact that there was an underage girl, like, doing things that weren't appropriate for an underage girl. Like, that doesn't he seem... He seems to be ignoring that, He yeah. seems to be annoyed by it, rather yeah. than, like, yeah. And so... It's such an inconvenience... That this thing that I set up that totally could have bit me in the ass eventually bit me in the ass and I had the shitty foresight and I wasn't able to realize that this could happen. Like, okay, so he's had another song similar to this, right? I think it was Riot Maker. And there was a song about, uh, like, in the verses he talks about how, like, yeah, sometimes we have, you know, riots and things like that and sometimes people get knocked around and one person got, like, had to get stitches or something like that after a show. You know, mm. so... I would ask you, what do you think of that? Okay, so if there's a mosh pit per se, right? Like yeah. like someone got pushed around and someone got hurt? Yes. Be like, well, yeah, no. He's not, he's not at all to blame on that because everyone that went to the show, presumably, if you're a fan or you've been to the show before, you, you probably know that that is bound to happen. That's not a given, though. Like, cause That's on them. No, no, no. no that... No, because I, I I think if you're gonna do that, you should do that equally. Because personally, I don't really like moshes. I fucking hate moshes, and I hate that like sometimes they get people involved when, in them that don't want to be involved in them. Right. You know. So like, who's to say that this person they got fucking stitches in their head? Like, what if they didn't want to be involved in one? And now, okay, they were. You know, they like yes, it's not the same thing like sexually because I feel like we have different stigmas about that. But I feel like like. That doesn't get the same sort of look. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Because, like, it's not like he said, hey, show me a 17 year old's breast. It's not like he said, hey, right. crack that person's skull. But it's like, but when you do a show like that, and when you have, like, literally in both cases, when you have a show in which you want women to show your breasts, and if you have a show in which people are gonna be kicking the shit out of each other and pushing each other around, it's just like, you kinda have to understand that sometimes there's gonna be stupid fucking people. And they're going to do stupid fucking shit. Like this 17 year old fucking knowing damn well she's 17 years old, like lifting her top. But then at the same time, okay, well, who are her friends that are around her that are like, yeah, you should do that. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, cause there's no way a 17 year old went to a tech nine concert by herself. You know what I mean? Like both of, both of us, to be fair, are doing a lot of assuming and filling in the, the gaps that we okay. don't know the whole story. Yeah, that's true. But in the case of Riot Maker, who would you blame in that case then? Um, in that case, I would. I mean, honestly, I. Okay, you, you know what? Actually, I think we're, re we're reaching a good point. The person that I would blame involved in the rioting would be the people, like, literally the whole crowd rioting. Like, I would. Like, if you had to do the, you know, I'm the teacher of the class sort of thing, I would blame the entire crowd. The crowd for rioting and doing what they were doing. Because it's not like Tech Nine said, all right, everybody push each other, everybody kick each other. No, he didn't specifically instruct that. Hey, if the crowd gets that way, then I'm like, okay, all right, they're feeling the energy. Hey, I, I, I don't know what's going on in their heads. If they're feeling it, they're feeling it, you know? And so it's like with this song, unless, see, here's the thing. If there was a specific, you know, I'll actually give you this point. If there's a specific part in, in like, if we see this video and it's like, hey, we need some girls to take off their tops for the areola video. And like, you know, uh, you know, the girl, you know, you see people like, yeah, yeah. So who are we going to get to take off their tops? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if it was that sort of situation, then I could see it being coercive, right? Because it's like that involves social pressure. That involves like, hey, I don't like, you know, say, hey, it's this is this thing that, you know, one should naturally assume shouldn't be something that you, you know, you don't just walk up to someone and say, hey, take off your top. But in this context, 
oh, these people thought it was comfortable for them to say to a person they don't know, hey, take off your top. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it was specifically, hey, everybody stop the show. It's time to get some girls on stage to flash their tits. And like, oh, not as many girls want to do it, huh? Well, we're not going to do the show until we get some girls flashing their Like, if it was something like that, <laughs> that I would understand. But if they're just doing the song... And then, like, they're just like, yeah, it's time for the song. And they're like, woo, Ariola. And they're just doing the song, and someone lifted up their top, and it's just like, they later find out that, oh, it was a 17-year-old that did it. It's just like, well, I don't know what we can do about that. Like, we can't stop. Like, you know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, you cannot stop every single 18-year-old from coming into your show. Right. But what you can do is, going forward, make the conscious decision to be like, well... If you do do that, you now know that you're going to have to deal with that. If you're going to do that, you do need to be more strict. You have to. Because you're the one who wants to make this part of your show. You know? But like I said, I would at least give him leeway if it wasn't like an audience command. If it was just like he's doing the song and someone of their own volition decides to do it, I don't think you can throw that on him. But if it was like, stop the show, where are the girls with the titties out? I think that I think he does would be able to hold some blame on that end. I would agree with you. And apply to the, to the same situation we're talking about here is that I want to clarify. I'm not saying Tech Nine or Strange Music or whatever is 100% to blame for this incident, because I would say that this was more more likely if there was pressuring in the situation, which again we're filling in gaps. It would be on the crowd, but my issue is the nonchalant attitude yeah. to the whole thing and how he's being inconvenienced. By this thing that happened and oh we don't get to perform this one song no see you're looking at this all wrong you could you could still perform the song it's not the song it's the audience's expectations that's wrong if you went ahead and said hey look we had this thing happen we don't want anything like that happening again but we really like the song and we know you like it too so we're gonna perform it but let's just go ahead and say it right now whatever happens like we didn't we're not asking for this. Like, you could take the time and set those ground rules, but he's making it like, well, that one person fucked it up for everybody, so fuck her and her parents that are obviously just out to destroy our image. They couldn't possibly be out for any other reason. Like, he's doing a lot of assuming, too, I think, and he's, like, pushing 100% of the blame on them. That's a very good point. Because especially when he brings in the poem, he's like, oh, the crocodile tears. It's like, well... You don't know that. Because what if this is a girl that, you know, made it, made a bad decision one night. You know, she got drunk with her friends. Some 21-year-old took her to this concert because she thought it was cool. And then she's like, well, I want to be cool with the, with the 21-year-old, so I'm going to shoot me tits. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, shit, I'm graduating in a month. You know, I got to <laughs> go to college. This story might stick around for a while. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, it's sort of like... Like, we don't know, like, from his, from what Tech 9 is talking, he's talking like, ooh, I'm a 17-year-old, and I'm gonna go to a concert and show my fake tits so that I can sue Tech 9. You know what I mean? Like, it is like, that's the way, he, that's the way he's talking about it. It's as if, like, oh, look at how I'm beleaguered by how I can't do this song anymore. It's like, well, I think what's most important is, let's make sure this doesn't happen again, not why can't I perform a song anymore. You know, I see what you mean. Like, if you have something like that happen, you need to take that as like a learning moment instead of like a, I'm going to pout because, uh, you know, things didn't go my way moment, you know. Of course, but I, like I could see somebody getting mad because that probably does fuck with your money. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like, oh, oh what? I'm not going to send my kid to that concert. You know, I don't, oh, did you hear they have 17 year olds that they got? You know what I mean? Like shit like that can get around and fuck up business you know but i think at the end of the day i think i think you i think where you're coming from is actually really smart because it's like i think at the end of the day fuck business it's about taking care of someone who might not be mentally of age and be of their you know full faculties you know what i'm saying yo if you're a tech nine fan i do think that this is a fantastic album i would personally give it a five out of five like i really do think that this is a this legit album the one song i really didn't like um was the we won't go quietly oh yeah that felt and a felt, little tacked on it, it, yeah it, it felt like i should have liked it like if this was the like this sounded like the last song they worked on like hey we need to have a song that kind of makes all this come together because there's a lot of like social commentary and stuff like that and so it, this is sort of like his sort of you know 
the glory song, you know, that common song, you know, that came out a couple of years yeah. ago, that Selma soundtrack, you know, it, it felt like obligated, like we have to have the, everyone hold hands and come to Jesus, this is our protest song, you know, mm-hmm. but it just felt a little too weak for it, like it just, yeah. like I could not see someone like throwing their fist up, you know, in solidarity with this song, you know? Oh, no, not at all. Yeah, it felt a little too, it, it, it didn't reach past the threshold of the you know, the, the 70s versions of the, you know, those light little protest songs. It's like, come on, people now. Yeah. Come on, run. You know, it's just like, yeah, that, it's unity, but it's not like strength in unity. And I feel like, especially with, a, you know, Tech Nine, especially with what he was going for in the song, I felt like it's not just supposed to be, you know, unity, if I could buy the world a Coke. No, it's supposed to be like strength in unity. And I felt like I didn't get that strength through the, the, the music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like either it needed to be slightly sped up, or it needed more instrument. It just needed something happening, you know. It felt it, it felt a little plotting. Um, but other than that, I felt like it was a solid album for the most part. Really sucks that the worst song is right at the end. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my gut on this one wants to say three and a half, which I know I'm gonna catch hate for that one. But just overall, it didn't hit me. There, there are only a handful of songs I would even, like, really want to listen to again. And even then, like, the songs I like the most, Brightfall, it's like I would switch to the next song halfway through, so even that one isn't a complete uh, win for me. Uh, most of the songs are just kind of okay in my book. Like, Bad Juju is, like, it's got a good beat, but I really didn't care for, like, the song itself. Same with uh, uh, Nobody Want None. Like, I really like the beat. The lyrics are kind of secondary to me on that one. No reason I'd skip because it really didn't give me too much. Comfortable, I just didn't care because it's just him name-dropping a bunch of people that I either don't know or don't care for, like Bubba the fucking Love Sponge. Um, like the, uh, the speed rap songs are the ones I thought were like the most fun because at the end of the day, they are just kind of gimmicky and whatever, but they're not songs I would listen to all the time. So, I couldn't give it a full four, so three and a half for me. That about wraps it up for this week's episode of the Going Off Podcast. Thank you very much for checking us out this week. Thank you very much to all of our followers and supporters on Patreon. If there's an album that you want to request us to talk about on the show, it is a one-time pledge to either of our Patreons. Just go to patreon.com slash rapcritic or patreon.com slash muse for details. If this is your first time listening to us, all of our old episodes are on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search Goin Off Podcast. That's G-O-I-N apostrophe off podcast. And until next week for the Going Off Podcast, I'm Muse. And I'm the Rap Critic. And remember, drink caribou K respond excessively. <laughs>